have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Good evening, folks. You're listening to the Hour of the Time. I'm William Cooper. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, and a day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Time, weather, and... Veteran of three foreign wars, entrepreneur, and warrior poet, Tony Arterburn takes on the issues facing our country, civilization, and planet. This is the Arterburn Radio Transmission. Then out spake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate. To every man upon this earth, death cometh soon or late. And how can a man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? Well, we're transmitting worldwide from deep in the heart of the Ozark Mountains <laughs> and broadcasting in defiance of the globalist goblins and neocons, the new world order, the build back better, Biden, Beelzebub, Baphomet, Bilderberg, Bohemian Grove, Bankster Bunch. It's the Arterburn Radio Transmission. I've got uh, Beans the Brave in studio. I think she's making her way back in here. Extremely distracted now that I have three. I have three ladies working at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Branson. I just keep collecting them. I'm collecting them all. Same family, and uh, they're taking care of me, packing Wolfpack, uh, doing social media posts, and spoiling my dog. I think Beans has finally turned her back on me. No, she would never do that. Actually, I think she's coming back in here, but uh, it's the 6th of October, year of our Lord, 2023, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I didn't get to do a show last week. Uh, similar things had had stuff going on, had uh busy shop time and people uh, calling in to place orders. Same thing this week. So I don't know. I might have to carve out a different time to do this show. And I, I said, I can't, <laughs> I had to forego one of my live broadcasts and I said, I can't, I can't put it off again. So I'm here. Uh, I'm going to do the best show I possibly can. We're going to dive into uh, the headlines never a shortage of dystopic things to talk about. We can talk a little politics. If you like, uh, we can dive into, um, the uh, issue for what is the issue but uh, the <laughs> the drama uh, the scripted whatever it is uh behind the speaker of the house and um you know <laughs> i want to i want to get into that for a minute because there is some politics that i don't understand uh i know that uh i'm first of all it's like i hear an establishment guy gets axed and i'm i think that's wonderful but then i wonder why they don't use it it's it's funny they never use the weapons that they have, and I'm talking about the GOP. They're just, they're just so good at not actually being effective. It's like I don't. They're they're specifically and scientifically engineered, <laughs> not not to use anything, not to wield power. I've just never seen anything quite like it. Whereas the 
the Democrats and the globalists, man, they will go for your throat. They'll tell you everything we're going to do. We're going to bankrupt the country. We're going to take you into World War III. We're going to debase the currency. We're going to have an open border. We're going to smash it with people. We're going to have weapons of mass immigration. We're going to crush the system. We're going to cloud and piven you nationwide, coast to coast. Do you like it? And half of the people say, we love it. And the GOP says, we're going to fight that. And then they don't. I just don't understand. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get into a little bit of that. See the headlines on Drudge. Let's see what. Operation Mockingbird wants me to talk about. Oh, yeah. Let's put this up on the screen. Uh, Hillary Clinton is back, and and this time she's one-upped herself from the uh, basket of deplorables. Now she's talking about deprogramming us. And she mentions the Trump cult. You know, it's very effective. They've taken... What Donald Trump ran on in 2016, which was very powerful, and you can talk about Cambridge Analytica and Steve Bannon and 5,000 data points on every American, but they harvested that data based on what people would have liked to have heard. You know, and if you listen to my friend Billy Ray Valentine, who really did a deep dive into all this stuff, talking about Cambridge Analytica and how they had all that social media uh, data and, and that harvested over years and people wanted to hear lock her up. People wanted to hear build that wall. And when Trump ran in 2016, that was very effective what he was doing because people wanted a populist uprising. They wanted, they wanted to push back against the establishment. And it was a bri- some of it was just a brilliant campaign, especially the last a campaign commercial he had, which was, uh, talking about the trillions that were on the the line for the establishment. And it showed, you know, former head of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, they're saying this, you know, the establishment needs to continue its program of bankrupting America, of taking away your jobs, taking away your sovereignty. And it was brilliant. He was pushing back. That was the campaign. And of course, we were a basket of deplorables. Hillary Clinton ran the worst presidential campaign ever. I mean, just I thought she was going to be coordinated. And there was a there was a surprise. You call it what you will, but there was something, right? Something happened in 2016. Donald Trump won by about 80,000 votes spread over four swing states. That's basically what happened. But somehow along the way, the anti-establishment, uh, anti-globalist, anti-neocon, uh, traditionalist, paleoconservative mantle, it doesn't get called that anymore. It gets shifted to Trump. And I just find that so unfortunate and detestable because now none of the MAGA stuff or the official Trump campaign stuff is any about any of those things. Because now we have the ability to look back and look at the presidency and ask, why didn't you do that? Now, I know that I've just about lost uh, 50% of all the people tuning in because they don't, they want to hear how wonderful it is. Well, I have some problems with that, but this is where Clinton comes in and they get to label everything the Trump cult. Do you see how effective language is? Do you see when you get boxed into something? It's something, it's akin to what happened to Trump when he uh, started talking about America first. You guys remember that? See, I remember a time in this country because of the actual America First movement, if you guys want to know a little bit of history, you go back to the late 1930s, you had Charles Lindbergh, you know, the Lone Eagle. You had a 
a young man that was a future president named John F. Kennedy and millions of other people. And they were part of a, a, a movement called America First. And that was to keep us out of a second European world war because, you know, their fathers and uh, their families had fought in the first world war. And people started asking, wait a minute, we didn't get anything for that. You know, 150,000 plus dead, hundreds of thousands wounded. We, we uh, increased the budget or the uh, deficit of the United States by five times. We almost had a league of nations. Woodrow Wilson said it was the war to end all wars and make the world safe for democracy. And it made the world, world safe for Hitler and Stalin. So it was a no-go. So you had this wonderful movement called America First. And then along the way, throughout the decades, it got demonized. I remember something that George H.W. Bush said uh, at an anniversary of Pearl Harbor. I think while he was president, he talked about how the Japanese, their wingman, the wingman for the Japanese that were going to attack Pearl Harbor were the America Firsters. Because there was a movement of people that had listened to George Washington and listened to Thomas Jefferson and listened to John Quincy Adams that we weren't designed to go abroad in search of monsters to destroy and wanted to keep us a republic. So, yes, they wanted America first, but it got lumped into, as you find a lot of things do, it got lumped into being anti-American, anti-Semitic, just to be America first, just to say, I want my country to be first, stay out of European wars. Uh, Pat Buchanan ran on it a little bit, but was careful not to use those that phraseology too much. I used it when I ran for Congress, and I used it. I knew exactly what I was saying because I believed in America first, but it was not appropriate. Trump used it. He was called a lot of things. Now, we didn't do America first under Trump, unfortunately. But see, you see how the language is important. Whatever they deem it, whatever they label it, this is what the left does, and they do a damn good job at it. The, I say the left, globalist, controllers, you know, basically anybody who works on behalf of the banksters, because that's where communism comes from. You know, co communism is funded by banksters. Socialism is funded by banksters. Democrats are funded by banksters. Globalists are funded by, glo globalists are banksters. <laughs> and de facto, right? It's very important, the language. So Clinton is deep, wants us to be deprogrammed. So we're a basket of deplorables. Now we're in a cult and we need to be deprogrammed. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, maybe we should start with your husband. Should we deprogram him from going to Epstein's Island on the Lolita Express? Should he, should he apologize for that? I have questions. What about uh, oh, the, her background? I mean, defending child murderers and <laughs> rapists and things, laughing about things like that. Yeah, these are these are wonderful people. Uh, <laughs> our betters, and they've restarted the the Clinton Foundation. Did you guys know that they restarted the Clinton Foundation just in time? <laughs> we got just in time for the new election. I that was one of the great things. The fallout of twenty sixteen is to see that the entire Clinton Foundation deal tank. <laughs> just go to go to zero. There was no. It's a it's a grifting operation. Of course it is. Well, and we'll talk about, let's talk a little bit about the speaker deal. You know, you get Kevin McCarthy is ousted. Matt Gates put up a deal to have a vote and he's being ostracized or whatever. But 
it creates a vacuum. And as you know, if you listen to my program, I don't care about the Trump, the election or Trump, or I, I, I used to be a huge supporter. And now I just have, I look back on the four years of his presidency. I looked at January 6th. I look at stop the steal. I looked at lockdowns. I looked at you're not essential. Uh, I looked at 40% of all the dollars ever created and went, eh, no. And I lost a bunch of listeners. Um, but I'm just an, I'm an, I'm an honest analysis guy to the best of my ability. But I want to know, and I'm really, I genuinely want to know, why would you not Republicans? And seriously, and I'm not even a fan, but you created an open spot for speaker. Do you not know that constitutionally you don't have to be elected to Congress to be speaker of the house and speaker of the house, because I believe the 25th amendment is third in line for the presidency. So why would you not, if that's your guy, why would that not be a universal thing that you do? is put him up as speaker. Would he not want to serve? Does he not know what speaker of the house is? I'm confused by this. Why do Republicans have an aversion for power and wielding power? They're not good at it. And I think that has to be by design. They never, ever, ever take the mantle of power. Ever. You know, something that Vladimir Lenin said, you know, during the uh, right leading up to the Bolshevik revolution that killed millions and opened up the world for satanic communism. He said the power was lying in the streets, just waiting for somebody to pick it up. Why are Republicans so, so averse to ruling? Why don't they rule? Why don't they use it? It's like the governor of Texas, my favorite, Greg Abbott. I mean, I'm anti. These are rhetorical questions, by the way. I'm answering my own questions because <laughs> Greg Abbott's never these kind of GOP hacks and extensions of multinational corporations, these automatons, they're never actually going to wield power, but they do little tricks like instead of securing the border, they'll bus people to New York or Chicago and say, Well, you're going to a sanctuary city, you know, and that's supposed to score political points. Okay. Well, you know, that's the manipulation. That's the mind control. Like you're so like as a, they've calculated and run that through focus groups. You realize how sophisticated the op is with politics. I mean, right down to the color of the person's tie, right? This isn't, that's why, again, it's why Trump was so effective. And I don't know why, but a lot of these other candidates, I mean, people that were running, they never really found that same kind of voice. They never really found that anti-establishment way. There, there was no MAGA revolution. It's just one guy. And it's that is interesting. But again, I circle back to this. You got rid of Kevin McCarthy. Trump's endorsing Jim Jordan. By the way, Jim Jordan endorsed Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> and so, so did Marjorie Taylor Greene. And every, I mean, who didn't? Like, like four people? I just have questions. I mean, if you really wanted to shake things up, try something different. History is not a good guide here. When you're in a fourth turning, about every 80 to 100 years, you can look at your history, folks. Strauss and Howe wrote a book about it in the mid-90s called The Fourth Turning. About every 80 to 100 years, massive upheaval in society. People lose faith in institutions. It's usually a currency war, a trade war, followed by an actual war. It's cataclysmic. 
The last fourth turning ended in World War II with two atomic bombs being dropped on Japan, Europe and ashes. America was 5% of the world's population had 50% of the world's wealth at the end of the war. That's a fourth turning. So why would you look and say, well, we've never done that before? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you make history. FDR was the first person to ever run for multiple terms or actually win. Uh, his cousin, Teddy, had ran. <laughs> Didn't make it to a third term. So sometimes you shake things up. Sometimes you do. I know they're not going to. I just have questions. And I'm not even a fan. I mean, I don't believe, you know, you do Operation Warp Speed. You tell me I'm not essential. Uh, you let Anthony Fauci run the country. I'm not backing you anymore. Not going to do it. And I get a lot of grief for that. People say, well, what, do you like Joe Biden better? No. <laughs> But I just know this, if there is a Joe Biden, you will resist him. And it won't be somebody who's playing 4D chess that has your back that really doesn't. Oh, they got your back. They got a knife in it. Anybody, anytime somebody tells you they got to lie or there's some kind of sophisticated subterfuge in order for them to rule, that's not the way things work. You do things out in the open. And if you don't have the courage to that, you shouldn't be president. I mean, John Kennedy... He called him out. Go look at his June 1963 speech to the American University. You want to call out the multi the uh, multinationals and the military-industrial complex and the deep state? He did that. You ever heard his speech on secret societies? He called him out. He was the only president since Lincoln to, to print notes direct from the Treasury. And both of those presidents were shot in the back of the head in public, so... <laughs> or well, Lincoln was shot in the back of the head, and uh, Kennedy, of course, back and to the left, shot from the front. But it's debatable. Maybe there was multi. It's probably multiple shooters. It's what you call a fatal funnel. But you get what I'm saying. Sometimes you got to have the courage. You know, there's no heroes in politics, folks. I mean, you're going to ask a 19 year old kid to sign their will and make their life insurance out to their mother like I did and go off into a foreign war. And if you don't do your job, you're ostracized. You might even be executed. Depends on how bad your betrayal is. If you run away, so you got to charge up whatever hill, you got to kick in whatever door, you got to go down whatever alley. And if you don't, you're a coward. Well, why do we hold these politicians up? They're not even facing that kind of danger. They might lose their fortune. They might lose their sacred honor, maybe lose their life. If you're not willing to do that, then what, what are you doing taking an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? Either we have a republic and it's worth fighting and dying for, or we don't. Or it's all a game. Or it's all WWE wrestling, something. It's all manipulated and fake. Well, personally, I still love the republic. I die for this country and I get sickened by seeing the headlines with so many cowards and we're just inundated with this cult of part personality when, you know, something, something is cultish about our politics and very tribal. Wasn't it tip O'Neill that said all politics are local? No, all politics are tribal now. And we're seeing the end game in that. I'm just asking for people 
especially the GOP, I know that you don't have an original thought and I know that you don't like power and I know that you don't like to rule, but you love to fundraise. But for the love of all things holy and decent, would you just have an original thought? Do something different. Get somebody else. Take somebody other than Congress to be speaker. I mean, a lot of these things are just ceremonial at this point. I mean, Congress has abdicated its power Unlike any other institution in the history of the United States, they gave all of their power away to the Supreme Court. It's, it used to have the power of the purse. They don't even, nobody even talks about uh, taking away budgetary oversight. Nobody talks about stripping something of its budget anymore. That's a long gone. Is that like quaint? Is that a, is that a throwback? <laughs> People used to run on that. That was the big thing after Vietnam. A lot of the, the uh, members of Congress said, well, that don't ever happen again because we have the purse strings. It happened again. This is the wars I fought in. It happened again. Same thing at the end of Oliver Stone's platoon. They said the same thing, but it happened again. Well, the only lesson we learn from history is that we do not learn from history. All right, let's jump into some headlines. And I'll go to the Rockfin chat here in a second. Always fun. Parapolitics and precious metals, ladies and gentlemen. Let's uh, let's look at this zero hedge. Uh, Biden kicks dog as rumors of animal abuse swirl. Earlier this week, President Biden's German Shepherd commander was booted from the White House after a dozen documented biting incidents involved Secret Service officers and White House staffers. The move caused some people to wonder is if Biden is mistreating his dogs. We already know that Biden broke his ankle pulling his dog's tail after a shower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the in brackets here. And we already know he takes probably inappropriate showers with family members, which is true. It's in his daughter's journal. Uh, now footage has emerged of Biden kicking his dog amid a judicial watch report that he abuses them. Some have suggested that it isn't a kick in anger. Rather, it's Biden is either being tripped up or using his leg to herd the dog into the vehicle. He slipped. Here's a tweet from Colin Rugg. Report President Biden has mistreated his dogs by punching and kicking them, according to sources close to Judicial Watch. Biden's dogs are just like his son, poorly trained. Documents from the United States Department of Homeland Security reveal injuries from attacks. The president has mistreated his dogs, according to Judicial Watch. Well, is it surprising to anyone? Hey, didn't Mitt Romney put his dog Seamus on top of the car? I mean, when you have a memory like mine, I remember all the campaigns. Like going, I think that was 2012. I remember we got into... The Seamus, Mitt Romney's dog, Mitt uh, corporations or people, Romney of uh, Bain vulture capitalist. Yeah, it's something, you know, I think you can tell a lot of, about a person by how they treat a dog. I think that might be like some sort of universal spiritual test in some way, you know, because dog is God spelled backwards. And I've always had a theory that you can look at cultures across the world and where a dog is thought of as low 
or an insult to be called a dog or associated with a dog or touch a dog, like those kind of cultures, not saying there's probably some beautiful things in them, but would you feel like you're safe in one of those cultures? Would you be able to flourish? And what would you, is that a kind culture? It's a good question to ask. I mean, and you got to wonder if you know anything about history and supposedly, you know, Hitler in the last days in the bunker with Ava Braun, he gave uh, the, one of his cyanide tablets to his dog, Blondie, his German shepherd. And apparently that was a final straw for Hitler's psyche. Like it broke him, like just killing his dog was the saddest thing ever for him. Like he actually just had a collapse over it. So well, I don't know what that says about Biden. <laughs> Biden just kicks his dog. I don't think, I don't think Hitler kicked his dog. I don't know. I mean, that's if you read the biographies, I think he, he loved his dog. So I don't know. I don't, and that's funny. The, the headline here, I love this little blurb here. It says PETA and it has Sandra Bullock from that movie where she's has to wear the blindfold. I forget what that's from. It says by uh, PETA when Biden kicks his dog. I forget what the name of that movie. I, I don't watch new movies. I, I, I have to watch repeats of star Trek and the twilight zone. I have to, anything that, that guard Goldsmith wrote for, I'll watch, uh, but I, just about anything else. I'm, I can't even do pop culture anymore. There's too much politics in it. I don't want politics. I don't want it filtering. It's, it's, it's acidic. It's gross. All right. Well, does that surprise anyone that there's, a judicial watch investigation into whether Biden kicked his dog. I mean, he's kicking all of us. Um, and I've been probably treats the dog better than us. I mean, look at you. You have to have a special kind of disdain for people. Like if you have the power to help and you allow the country to continue to have a broken border and continue to lose its purchasing power of its own currency, you continue to push us to the brink of nuclear Armageddon funding some little man with a t-shirt in Ukraine that has like a lust for blood and doesn't care if his country is in ashes. I mean, you might think uh, something's wrong with that person. We'll go over some gold and silver prices too. It's kind of weird doing the show at the half of the hour. I keep looking at the clock thinking, oh, that's wrong. I'm like, how far away, how far am I? And I'll have to keep looking. I have to look at my watch. I'll have to ask Beans, who keeps better track of the show than me. All right, let's go to the Rockfin chat, and I'm going to jump into some headlines from Natural News. We'll talk about RFK Jr. for a minute, um, just a little bit, of, little bit of a continuation of our political talk, but it's more of, an, it's more of a question. And then uh, there's an article from Michael Schneider over on Lou Rockwell. That's, I think that's a good way to round out the show. All right, over on the Rockfin chat. By the way, if you want to watch me live, it's rockfin.com. R-O-K-F-I-N.com on the America Unplugged channel. I also put the uh, show up on Facebook today, but I will tell you, if you want to go friend me on Facebook, it's just find me. It's Tony Arterburn. Go friend me. I, I don't always put the show up there. Uh, and the main reason is because I'm doing more social media stuff and I have to keep my accounts. And you guys know my show. I'm, I, it's, a, uh, it's a plethora. It's a smorgasbord of all things that should be banned. So <laughs> I can't always rely on that as a medium, but uh, we're up on, 
on uh, X or Twitter or whatever it's called this week. Uh, you can find me at Tony Arterburn there, but go find me on Facebook and give me a, a friend request. I'll, I'll friend you back. Um, let's see. Oh, we got Freethinker59 in the chat over on, on the America Unplugged channel. Thank, he says, hi, Tony. Good day to you. Good day to you, sir. Pre- appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Eric Youngworth, tip $10. Well, that's very kind. Uh, anytime you tip us, we put it right back into the system of America Unplugged and Donald Jeffries shows. By the way, if you haven't subscribed to this channel, I mean, you've got Donald Jeffries today is going to be talking to uh, Joseph P. Farrell. Uh, that's a that's an interesting guy. Uh, I read his book, Babylon's Banksters, a long time ago. So I'm looking forward. I'll be producing today. So go stay on the America Unplugged channel on Rockfin and go find America Unplugged on the podcast channel. You'll get to hear Joseph P. Farrell and Don Jeffries. That's two legends. Uh, Patrick S. is in the chat. <laughs> says, I always forget about the show. How long has it been on? I forget about the show too, Patrick. Uh, I get bad. I'm like, it's Friday already. I got to cut a live show. And this is more of a cognitive test for me. Like, can I do, if I can do an hour of live radio and talk to my support group, which, you know, we're got, we're out on worldwide Christian radio right now. And we'll be on nine 30 AM. The answer in San Antonio, if I can talk for an hour, if I can do the show, then, uh, then I'm good. Uh, let's see. I see. Oh, you know, somebody said beans. Yeah. Beans. Patrick S. <laughs> Nancy Chambers. I always forget the show too. Hope it hasn't been on too. No, I, I think we just went on a little bit later. So thanks for tuning in. All right, let's, let's do some more headlines. Uh, what you gotta, I think, appreciate about my show is we have almost no commercials. I almost, I just forget to plug all the time. It's not littered with breaks or commercials, just analysis. And we, I think we get to more stories than most people do in two or three hours, which has always been the goal. All right. I want to talk a little bit more politics while we're on it, but this is a, this came out on summit.news and I'm, this is really an open question. I, it's really more about how much of this article is hitting on the actual truth, you know, as far as analysis is concerned. I mean, because there's certain things you can go in conspiracy research and alternative media, you just get to a place where you're completely blackpilled and like nothing matters and it's all a selection and I get it. But let's just suspend disbelief for a minute and uh, talk about politics. This is a poll. RFK Jr. An independent bid would help Donald Trump and hurt Joe Biden. Well, see, I've heard the opposite. So let's let's dive into this. Well, he, you know, he is going to run as an independent. I think the announcement was supposed to be today. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running as an independent in 2024 presidential candidate would help former President Donald Trump and hurt Joe Biden in the general election. A recent Echelon Insights survey found. A preview of the survey shows Trump leading Biden in a head-to-head presidential matchup nationally, 46% to 43%, a three-point lead. In that scenario, 11% remain unsure for whom they would vote. However, with Kennedy running as an independent candidate, Trump's lead over Biden expands by one point, growing to four points, 40% to Biden's 36%. Kennedy garners 14% support in that scenario, 10% remain unsure. 
Well, you hear both sides. You go back to 1992 and you hear, oh, Ross Perot won the election for Bill Clinton. I don't know that that's really the case. Uh, You know, the country isn't really a left-right paradigm. You have, I think in the middle, there's, there's a lot of people that can be swayed. However, every year you have an increasing lock of people that are going to vote blue. This is just, this isn't Tony's opinion. This is reality. You go look at a place like California. Um, doesn't matter who you run. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what they do. Uh, you put a D next to it. There's a certain percentage that's going to vote that way. It doesn't work that way on the, on the side of the right. It doesn't. A case in point was Alabama. Alabama had a, what you would consider deep red state. And this is a few years back. They didn't like their nominee. He was run through the mill and they voted for a Democrat. A Democrat won. People either stayed home or they switched their vote. Red states will be able to be swayed. They can go purple, but a blue state, once it goes that way in the modern times, and this is really an operation. It's a war of demographics. Just demography is destiny. Once you get a certain amount of people that vote that way, it's a lock. So that's happening in places like California. It's happening in places like Pennsylvania. Uh, what you, John Fetterman, I, besides being a, a lockstep, you know, demographic candidate. I think he's a humiliation ritual. Can we all just agree that somebody in some boardroom somewhere and some think tank or miles below the earth's surface, whatever all the banksters are, <laughs> they're laughing at all of us but because we have to watch this guy, this slob with his hoodies and his, sh- his shorts, like change the dress code of the United States Senate and not be able to formulate sentences. I mean, w- w- idiocracy was a documentary. Okay. They're just, I have to, every time I think about him, I go this just when you think it can't get any worse. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I had at least a few chuckles. I think Melissa told me she thought it was funny that, that I had Bobert Fetterman 2024. Let's get it over with for a prediction. Um, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, there's, there's places where you have a demographic lock, but I don't know that this is true. And the reason I say that is because it's a lot more malleable to have RFK kind of floats between, and Billy Ray Valentine's mentioned this. I think he floats into the people that are just dissatisfied with the ruling class. I don't know that he bleeds too much of the vote that Biden's already going to get. I think you know, maybe three or four or five percent. It's it's not that much because the, the middle is shrinking, right? And then you have the people that could be swayed on the side of the right. My point of all this is this: the right can still be swayed. The people in red states can still be swayed. But the bluer something gets, the less chance. And I don't, RFK Jr. is not making an impact among blue. I don't know if you've noticed, it's the zeitgeist and the spirit of the age where you have people like the, the 
left and i don't know it's that fa- famous meme of the somebody taking the chip out of the back of the npc's head and replacing it you know like now you don't talk about mandatory vax is good you talk about ukraine you know and <laughs> we we get behind whatever the, it's the current thing and they love war oh see when i was a kid it was like there was liberals i don't know where liberals are anymore i miss them are you guys to come out of hiding do you still exist are there liberals or I don't know. I can't find them, but there's leftists and they're just for the current thing. They love big pharma. I mean, they love multinational corporations. They love them. They get behind them, especially if they're woke. And most of them all are because they have ESG. They have environmental social governance, which is a modern way of bankers funding communism. Again, that's what they always do. It's their favorite thing. But people on the left love war. Gosh, they love war. They're, they're bloodthirsty for war. Just need have World War III and go to war with Putin and nuclear war and uh, just got to have it. It's necessary. They don't even know what it's for, but we got to have it. And they love open borders and chaos and uh, George Soros and uh, the, the DAs that let people go for basically uh, pillaging and burning things to the ground and uh, taking Democrat cities and just basically looting what's left. And they love it. And they love the fact that there's no equilibrium on what culture is. And it's a ceremony, right? They love it. It's a ritual. They love fake money. They love top-down control. Love central bank digital currencies. They, they can't wait to have them. They love UBI. So again, uh, those people aren't going to be swayed by RFK Jr. However, however... I think this poll is missing. They're they're using old models too, of what the country used to be. Um, you know, there was a time Ronald Reagan in 1984 had a 48 state landslide. I mean, he crushed Walter Mondale, just just absolutely. And we'll never have that again. Why why can't we, Tony? What happened? Demographics. If you don't understand what that is, if you don't understand how that happened, then you can't understand politics. So there'll never be that kind of unity again until until a complete coast-to-coast California has taken place. And that's the goal of the ruling class, is to have a mono party. Yeah, there'll be some opposition. If you look at the map, it doesn't make any sense because you have red counties everywhere. And I hate the red-blue thing because you guys know it's that was a trick that the media played uh, red socialism and communism. They gave it to the Republicans and the Republicans use it. I know, I know. But most of the county, like the counties, it's just a sea of red with these blues. And people are like, oh, we don't have blue states. We have blue cities. But that's the point. That's what the ruling class wants. They want you in those cities. Those are the future smart cities. Trump calls them freedom cities. They're 15-minute cities, right? This is the, the point of Agenda 2030. Agenda 21 of the United Nations, sustainability. You got to get in your pod, you know, and you'll be in a 15 minute city and there'll be one pharmacy. Oh, it'll be one car dealership and it'll be electric cars and it'll, (laughs) and it'll all, and they won't go anywhere and you can go in and look at them and there'll be one grocery store and there'll be one. Yeah. And you'll be able to use your UBI and there's one thing and you can walk to it all owned by the same thing. See, mono. The new world order is really not complicated, folks. It's just a consolidation game. 
It's a top-down, totalitarian, socialist system that they want to employ, and that's what they use. They use consolidation. So in the face of that, I'm not sure that RFK Jr. uh, helps Donald Trump. I think the inverse is true. Uh, But I still think it's important for him to run. I still think an independent candidacy is absolutely necessary. Why don't we have 10? Why don't we have 20? I like it. If you loved, I mean, they say we're a democracy, which we're not, but if they love democracy so much, let the floodgates open. (laughs) India has like these, have you seen the ballots in India? They're just like eight feet tall. They can't find out who's running. You can't. I like the chaos, especially when the deep state and the controllers like to have a very narrow thing. You know, they want to control just the margin of error. And they can choose Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Well, change it up. I've always had that idea. You want to make a difference in politics? Stop getting behind a candidate. And you run. Everybody runs. You know, if you have a congressional race and you don't like your congressman, don't put up somebody against him. Put up 100 people. It's your constitutional right to run. Smash the ballot. Nobody really knows. Make it chaos. Make it where there's a runoff. Use your numbers. I'd love to talk to a statistician about my idea. <laughs> it's like, and I know it's like school boards. Oh, we lost the scoreboard election again. You know, uh, Kathy couldn't make it over the hump, or we're opposing such and such who's funded by the you know, the capital state or whatever. You know, I heard this all the time when I was in Texas, and people. I mean, you talk about they would fund like massively fund school board meetings, and I just kept saying, "Stop running one person, and y'all all run. Just go put yourself on the ballot. It'll it'll make the, it'll confuse the vote. That's what you want. You want." You don't want these things to be pre-planned and top down from, you know, they're phoning it in. They laugh at you when you can't, but you can make a difference and you can make a dent by the volume of people on the ballot. Just an idea. I think it's good to have choices. I think it's good to have RFK Jr. Do I, am I going to vote? I don't know if I'll even vote. In this presidential election that's coming up, I I mean, and, and by the way, we're a year out, which is an eternity in politics. We don't really know. You don't know what's going to happen between now and Iowa and Super Tuesday. I mean, Newt Gingrich is saying that Trump, I mean, the, the, R, the RNC should stop all the debates and Trump's going to be the nominee. Don't be so sure. You don't learn anything from politics. Out in the front part of my shop here in Branson, There's a picture of Harry S. Truman holding up a copy of the Chicago Tribune, and it said, uh, Dewey defeats Truman. Because the paper had run the story before they counted all the votes. And uh, (laughs) that's a pretty famous icon, you know, Dewey defeats Truman. Truman's still president and was elected to a second term. Well, the first term in his own right, but uh, serving after FDR had died in office. So just a little bit of a political analysis. I think the inverse of this story is is more accurate and something to uh, pay attention to. And I think he'll be a force to be reckoned with, especially when he's outside of the periphery of the Democratic Party. Because it's like 
you're attaching yourself to something that it's never going to be a symbiotic relationship with RFK Jr. Uh, or any thinking. But look at Bernie Sanders, and that's when you know Bernie. I'm surprised Bernie isn't. Doesn't he have a fourth house to buy? Why, why is it? Why is it Bernie running? I remember the remember the 2016 election. You had super delegates. That's when you found out that the Democratic Party isn't so democratic. We have super delegates. They're super duper, right? You they count for more than one vote. Oh, <laughs> uh, you gotta love it. All right, let's um. We got at least uh, at least an article or two. Let's get in, so in that vein, let's talk about this Michael Schneider article up on LewRockwell.com. So we have reached the terminal phase of the greatest debt spiral in the history of the human race by Michael Schneider, the economic collapse blog. It's as if uh, if you were going out, you might as well go out with a bang. At the beginning of June, our national debt was sitting at $31,467,639,287,894.39. Today it has risen to and $33 trillion, $442 billion, $148 million. You get it. So that means we have added almost $2 trillion to the national debt in just three months. It's the largest single debt in the entire history of our planet, and it will never be paid off. Our debt spiral has reached a terminal phase, and we can do only do now is expand and prolong the agony. If we keep taking on more debt at an exponential rate, we may be able to extend our seemingly endless party for a little while longer. <laughs> you can extend it just a while longer. As for the bright future that our children and grandchildren were supposed to have, we destroyed that a long time ago. And so that doesn't really matter with what we do now, does it? What our politicians are doing to us is truly a crime against humanity. That's what I've been saying. So what we're arguing over these candidates, I mean, in the meantime, do you realize what has happened? It, it whistled past you in the dark while you're following a campaign trail. <laughs> There's something happened. It's not the same country. We're talking about numbers that will never be paid back. We're talking about over the cliff. And, you know, the Republicans will say, well, we got that budget deal down. You know, we, we, we didn't spend 1.2 trillion. We spent 1.1, you know, fiscal conservatives. <laughs> Folks, the words, the word trillion, the number that wasn't used in our history. It's just recent since we have fake money. When you have fake money, you create abstract things that really shouldn't be. In this, in the terms of, of currency, trillion, you can't print a trillion one dollar bills. There isn't enough paper. I was talking to my staff today. I was talking, you know, about you, you can carpet. The state of Oklahoma with $1 bills, if you print a trillion, you can't do it because you can't print enough. But if you could, if you could print a trillion dollars, you could carpet the state of Oklahoma. You could, if you could stretch them end to end to the sun, 93 million miles away, a trillion seconds ago was 32,000 years. A billion seconds ago was 32 years. That's, that seems to make more sense, but you're talking about a thousand billion. 
and this is Michael Snyder, says, I'm not just talking about the United States. All over the world, politicians have been on the greatest debt binge in the history of the human race. And for quite a year, few years, it seems like they were going to get away with it. But now interest rates are rising and there is great turmoil in the bond markets. Yeah, well, there, there's other things attached to this too, folks. It has to do, you know, when Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, August 15th, 1971, they had to do it at that point or get fiscally responsible. So like, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to stop the war in Vietnam, guns and butter, the great society on the Mekong under LBJ. You're going to stop that. The rest of the world was catching on. We started debasing our silver currency, our, our dimes, our half dollars, our, our dollars. We started taking the silver out of everything. Countries noticed. So they started showing up to pick up their gold. They wanted to convert those green pieces of paper into gold as, as, was, as was promised in 1944 at the Bretton Woods Conference when we became the world reserve currency. Well, Nixon said he's going to close the gold window. Well, every other country on earth soon followed suit. I think the Swiss were the last ones to go. 2002, they decoupled their uh, currency from silver. So every, this is why it's so important to talk about fourth turnings. It's now global, right? All these countries, all these financial systems linked up to fake. That's why if you see me on Thursdays, I usually go and talk to the great David Knight. And he, he and I discuss all the time how there's over 125 countries that are working on central bank digital currencies. They're linking up because not only we're in, again, this comes out of the central banks. So we decoupled from gold and it creates, because every time when you don't have a gold standard, every time you have a financial transaction, you swipe that credit card or you go get that home loan. That's new currency. That's new currency into the system. We don't even have fractional reserve, forget fractional reserve banking. That's, that's a thing of the past where 10% of deposits. So if you have, you know, if a bank has a thousand dollars, they can lend 10,000. They don't even do it anymore. They just print. They just go to the daddy federal reserve and they make new currency. That's why you should never, ever, ever, ever save dollars because they're constantly losing purchasing power because there is new units entering the system. Whereas something like gold or silver is finite. There's only so much and it takes work to get it. Most of the gold floating around out now has been mined. It's, it's from centuries. It stays in circulation. It's century upon century upon century of people mining it and buying it and hoarding it and holding it and governments using it and people using it and using jewelry. Folks, do you know that all the gold in the known world, like before Europe discovered the Americas, I'm not saying they discovered the new world because I think there's evidence to show other civilizations did, but let's say, let's just go off that timeline, you know, roughly, you know, 500 years ago. The, all the gold in the known world could fit in a six by six foot cube. So all of history, all the known world before they reached the Americas, and then gold exploded onto the world markets. It created the modern world. Something to think about. Something to think about. 
when we look at gold creating the modern world, and I'm reading you this article from Michael Snyder, and he goes in, there's a quote from, I want to go into a quote from Robert Kiyosaki. But you get the point. The fake money created a fake reality, fake markets, fake systems, fake wars, fake politicians, fake news. And that bubble is bursting. They have so much debt. so The numbers are so expansive. And they'll boggle the mind. So these numbers will never be paid back. It's impossible. So you're talking about debt that isn't real. These governments know it. They're going to have to have cover for it. You should understand that. The central banks around the world are buying gold. Why are they doing that? All but one. Uh, the major central banks. All but one. And that's the United States of America. Because the Federal Reserve and the uh, the dollar are at war with gold. They're at war with value because they don't want anything uh, competing for a world reserve currency that has stability. Right now, the dollar is still king, but that is waning. Now let's look at some of this, or let the rest of this article, and then we'll close out. This is something Robert Kiyosaki said. It says, um, when official interest rates rise, so do investors' expectations for return on bonds, known as yields. This creates an incentive for investors to sell bonds they currently hold and buy newly issued ones that offer highest interest payments. And yields have most definitely been rising. The yield on a 30-year U.S. government bond, also known as a Treasuries, hit 5% on Tuesday for the first time since 2007. And remember what happened just after that. Yields on German long-dated bonds are back at levels last seen on the eve of the euro debt crisis in 2011. That's followed our crisis. These are the little signposts, right? On the way ahead to an economic, the elites call it a great reset. It's a crash. It's a calamity. And we've really never seen anything like it. You wouldn't be able to judge it by history. Now, Robert Kiyosaki, renowned author of the phenomenal personal financial book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, shared a piece of his mind on how to decentralize from the fiat currency system. He says the dollar has long been losing its purchasing power, and not long from now, it would just be worth less than toilet paper. During his recent episode of Decentralized.tv, hosted by Mike Adams and Todd Printer, Kiyosaki pointed out how the lack of the financial education in the United States blinds people and even President Joe Biden's administration in tackling the current economic downturn. So just recently, they raised the debt ceiling again. And because our schools have no financial education, no idea of credit rating or debt, our debt increased by $1.8 trillion. unsustainable so as i have 50 seconds left it's unsustainable folks it's the reason i'm in the business that i'm in while you're watching this there's warning signs and you have opportunities still get into metals you can get into physical real money gold and silver or money everything else is not just credit but it's debt so go check out wisewolfgoldandsilver.com and check out the wolfpack program you've got 
memberships starting as low as $50 a month. We even have one for kids at 35 called Wolf Cub. We buy your medals for you. We're out here packing them right now here in Branson, Missouri. We buy your medals for you. Send you a detailed invoice. So don't think you can't buy precious metals. You don't have enough money. Of course you do. Save a little bit. We take care of it. We send you your medals. And uh, we give you a great variety. So we appreciate you. You guys take care of each other from Beans the Brave and myself and the rest of the Artemis family. Take care of each other. End of transmission. <laughs>